And uh, so it's Christmas, but it's it's also months before Christmas. So this is the encounter between Mary and Elizabeth. Uh, that you know from Luke, uh, Luke 1. You're going to read it for us. And I'm going to ask everyone to stand up again. Sorry. <laughs> honor for the word of God. So I'm going to read Luke 1, verse 39 to 56. And it says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she ex exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him, from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Amen. Thank you so much. You can be seated. And I'm going to start today's message off with a question, and that is, did Jesus come to bring peace on the earth, or did he come to start a revolution? Because on the one hand, don't, don't skip ahead. <laughs> Thank you. You're all smart people. On the one hand, here's Jesus, the Prince of Peace, coming to restore the peace of God to his people. And he's recorded saying, come to me, all of you who are like um, heavy burdened, all of you are... Uh, who labor hard, and, and I will give you rest. But yet in the previous chapter of that same gospel, Jesus says, do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. I have come to bring not peace, but a sword, which is not a sword of like a call to arms, but more like a sword of division. In the mind of most Jews in the, of the time, the Messiah would soon come to deliver the people of Israel from their enemies and restore the kingdom to Israel, like in the times of Solomon. Likely, this Messiah would come to start a revolution that would, that would bring a, a great victory over their enemies. But Jesus never delivered on this expectation. When he had finally gathered like a huge crowd of 5,000 people, they were ready like, okay, maybe he's going to start his revolution now. But no, he, he opened with the words, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, those who are hungry and merciful, pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers. 
But the religious authorities of the time definitely saw Jesus as a dangerous man. They feared that he and his following would cause such an upset uh, that it would lead the Romans to intervene. And so they actually, one of their reasons for them to, to have Jesus killed was to make sure that that didn't happen. And so Caiaphas, the high priest, spoke the unintended prophetic words, it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He had no idea that indeed through his death, Jesus would bring about salvation. He just wanted to stop the Jesus revolution. So was Jesus a peacemaker or was he a troublemaker? And yes, some of you skipped ahead. The answer is both. <laughs> Jesus came as the Prince of Peace to restore humanity to peace with God, peace in and peace among themselves. And yes, Jesus also came as the light breaking through the darkness, breaking through everything that was resisting God's work of restoration. The Prince of Peace came and he declared war on the empire of darkness and he started the revolution of the kingdom of God. And today, I want to focus on that revolutionary side of Jesus. Because if you forget about this side of the person of Jesus and of the gospel of the kingdom, that we're making a really big mistake. Jesus came as the Prince of Peace to declare war on the kingdom of justice. In the, in the basically the, the, the Christmas telling of uh, John's gospel, the first chapter, he says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Christmas marks the start of the war between the kingdom of God and the empire of the Satan. And in this message, I'm going to talk about the three power systems that Jesus came to overthrow in his life and in his ministry. And I'll try to make it as Christmassy as possible. Uh, first, Jesus came to overthrow the human power systems. So going back to the magnificent, magnificent song of Mary that we opened with. Uh, this is a song that N.T. Wright has called The Gospel Before the Gospel. And he says this, uh, It is a fierce, bright shout of triumph 30 weeks before Bethlehem, 30 years before Calvary and Easter. It goes with a swing and a clap and a stamp. It's all about God and it's all about revolution. In the Song of Mary, which is filled with Old Testament language and this hope and this expectation for God's intervention, she's prophesying how through her unborn child, God will overthrow the power structures of the world, humble the proud and exalt the lowly. Listen again to verse 51 and 53 with this perspective. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. This is revolution language. It's revolution language. And some of you, because you're smart people, uh, are wondering about the grammatical tense of the verses. It does, doesn't it say God has? So isn't he talking about the past? Well, actually what I discovered this week in the commentaries, is that uh, the Greek grammatical form used here, Bible scholars refer to as the prophetic aorist. 
which means it's bringing the, the past into the future. Uh, it's talking about characteristics of God that have been true of him for all time. And, uh, and they're filled with future expectations. So really what they're saying is, you have done this and soon you will do it again. So you must understand that in the time that Jesus was born into, the Jewish people were exiled in their own land. Again, they were living under foreign ex uh, uh, occupation for four centuries now. First the Greeks and now possibly even worse, the Romans. And this came with significant restrictions on their freedom, on their self-determination, their economy, and the way that they were able to live out their identity as a chosen nation under God. Mary's song expresses that something significant is about to happen. This is not just the fulfillment of, of some spiritual promise. This is the start of a revolution. The current political and economic order, order is about to be turned upside down. And what is interesting is that the political order is actually immediately stirred at the birth of Jesus. Judea was ruled by the, the puppet, puppet king of the Romans called Herod the Great. I think he came up with that name himself. And uh, he was known for his brutality and his paranoia. Uh, yesterday, my daughter and I were doing the Christmas urban walk that the Stadskerk is organizing in the city. If you have nothing to do the rest of the day, make sure to join somewhere between 4 and 9, I think it is, or 10 or 11 if you run out. Some of us are in the in the choir. And it's a walk through the city, through different scenes of the Christmas story. And when we came to the palace to meet with the king, uh, that was a bit of a scary experience for Benta. And I joked, oh, but the king is really nice. And she actually believed me. But the king wasn't very nice because it was Herod the Great who was about to kill every little boy in Bethlehem because he heard there was another king that was possibly born there. Herod immediately goes into panic mode. And he has all the baby boys in the Bethlehem area killed. Isn't it interesting that the human power systems of oppression, of brutality of the time, feel so threatened by the birth of a baby? <laughs> There's nothing threatening about a baby. <laughs> it's only cuteness. But somehow he understood that this was the fulfillment of an ancient prophecy, and that was power in it. Jesus' birth immediately shook the political order. Because instead of the systems of oppression, of survival of the fittest, of cruelty, of dominance, of corruption, Jesus came to start the revolution of the upside-down kingdom, where the first would be last, where the outcasts are included, where women got to be the first to recognize and testify of the incarnation like Elizabeth and Mary and the first to testify of the resurrection like Mary Magdalene where leaders are actually servants. Jesus came to start a revolution that would forever change how we view justice, how we view human rights, how we view leadership and authority, how we understand victory. He came to start a revolution. Secondly, Jesus came to overthrow the religious systems. Time and again, we see Jesus challenging the religious establishment. 
he would challenge them first on their hypocrisy, putting the religious a, a big religious burden of have-tos on the people, one that they were not even um, keeping themselves, and one that was not in line with the revealed word of God. And so they would make a show of their own devotion, but in their hearts hold pride and greed and hate. And secondly, Jesus came to overthrow the systems that blocked people from having access to God. When he saw that the sacrificial animals were sold at sky-high prices in the temples, um, and that place of worship was turned into a marketplace, impossible for people to... make, Making it really difficult for people to just enter into the temple and, and, and worship God, have, have some form of access. And so he literally overthrew the whole system. He turned over the, uh, the tables of the money changers and he made a whip. Jesus made a whip to chase the people out of the temple. This is not Jesus meek and mild like the Christmas song. You know, like little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Yeah, that's not... This is Jesus mean and wild, burning with righteous anger. And this so greatly upset the religious authorities that they plotted to have him killed. See, Jesus was not crucified because he was such a nice man. And everyone's threatened by, you know, the blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the pure in heart. That was not why he was crucified. When it came to anything that misrepresented God, misused his word, prevented people from access to God, Jesus was anything but nice. He was zealous to bring people back to the heart of his father and he was ready to bring the whole system down. Thirdly, Jesus came to overthrow the realm of darkness. Last but not least, the Prince of Peace came to declare war on the empire of darkness. Jesus' birth, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection were all about overthrowing the rule of the Satan over human life and the breakthrough of the kingdom of God. iPad's doing funny thing again. Ah, here we go. In everything that Jesus did, he was overthrowing the grip that the Satan and the demonic powers had over human lives. And we see this in his healings, which he would um, quite often refer to as a way that Satan held a grip over people. Not always. He doesn't say that all sickness is uh, from the devil, but he's, he's saying that so in, in some cases he makes that indication. He set people free from demonic oppression, quite obviously. And ultimately, on the cross, he broke the power of sin. And so broke the very ground that the Satan, Satan was standing on and ruling from. When Jesus encountered a man that was possessed by many demons, this guy, he ran towards Jesus. And the demons are crying out, have you come to destroy us? And Jesus' answer is, yes, that's exactly why I have come. Jesus came to undo the work of the devil. And so in everything he taught, Jesus let his disciples know that he was recruiting them for the army of his kingdom that would face the empire of darkness. Not an army that would take up a weapon, but an army that would conquer through their witness, through their sacrifice, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus talked about his, uh, about his disciples and the church. And he said that based on their recognition of him as the Messiah, they would overthrow the work of the Satan. He said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And this sounds best with a West African accent in a prayer with some stamping and some clapping and all of that. I can't do it. I'm sorry. Not today. The gates of hell shall not prevail, which is also an indication that the church and the kingdom is on the offense, not on the defense. Yeah, it's gates. Yeah, gates are not made to attack. They're made to, to defend. So we are on the offense. Just to prove that this war was real, we see that in the crucifixion of Jesus, all these three power systems are involved. All three power structures that Jesus came to overthrow were involved in his crucifixion. First, the religious authorities plotted to have Jesus killed. They arrested him and they trialed him. Secondly, the human power systems condemned Jesus uh, with the involvement of Herod Antipas, the only surviving son of Herod the Great, uh, and Pontius Pilate. Uh, and it was the Roman soldiers that hit the nails through his hands onto the cross. But really behind all of this were the powers of darkness. 1 Corinthians 2 says that the rulers of this age, let me just read the verse. None of the rulers of this age understood this, understood what Jesus came to do and what his death and resurrection mean. None of the rulers of this age understood this. If they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What? I thought that the Romans did. I thought that the Jews did. No. The rulers of this age, and they had no idea that they, in doing so, were signing their own resignation as rulers of this earth, that they were about to lose their authority. Because Jesus' death and resurrection would forever win the victory over the empire of darkness, Colossians 2. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Amen. And so the story of Christmas, the story of the Messiah King that was born in the most humble circumstances, hidden away in a stable in the teeny tiny town of Bethlehem, is indeed the start of a revolution and the start of a war that is still going on today. In Jesus' life and ministry, in his death and his resurrection, the kingdom broke through the power systems. Oh, sorry, my iPad's doing weird. Uh, that help people <laughs> I'm sorry I don't know my message by heart but my iPad keeps either skipping forward or backwards so I'm gonna not speak with my hands again uh, in Jesus' life ministry death and resurrection the kingdom broke through the power systems that help people uh, that help people captive and is advancing until Jesus comes again to take his throne. Okay. What are we to do with this very non-Christmassy Christmas message? Uh, 
What does it mean that the Christmas event was not just a declaration of peace, but really also a declaration of war? How does it change the way that we celebrate Christmas? Not, not entirely. Don't do away with your Christmas meal and all of that. Actually, I think it starts with this. The Christmas message, we should understand, is a very powerful message. The incarnation of Jesus Christ is not just cute and, cute and cuddly and nice. Christmas is the moment that God stepped into human history to turn its fate around. To a world that was caught up in the dark systems of power and of oppression. He came to set people, free, uh, set people uh, free. To change the direction of human history from its course to destruction to a course of redemption. That's what Christmas means. And I think we might underestimate that a little bit. And so when we sing our Christmas songs, and when we gather with friends and with family to celebrate, when we eat and drink and we are merry, what we're really connecting our lives to is this pivotal moment in history. The message of Christmas is powerful. God stepped in to undo the work of darkness and to set people free. That's what we're celebrating at Christmas. Secondly, we should understand that Christmas was and is a divisive event. It's, it's separating people from each other. From the moment of Jesus' birth until his death, the powers of this world were resisting and trying to prevent Jesus from completing his mission. Herod uh, the Great ordered all the boys born in and around Bethlehem under the age of two to be killed because he was afraid. And the powers that Jesus came to overthrow continue to resist until his resurrection. And they are still resisting the advancement of the kingdom of God today. So when you share about Jesus Christ, when you share even the Christmas message, don't be surprised that there may be some resistance. The people of God's kingdom have faced this resistance um, from the very first day. It's the shepherds that heard the angels sing, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. See, Christmas means good news and peace on earth for those who welcome him as the king. It means justice. It means a declaration of war to everything that opposes his reign. Those who receive him as king are also sent out to continue to advance this kingdom. They will experience persecution and opposition because, because the fight is not over yet. But they will be victorious together with their king who has already won the deciding battle for them. Lastly, and I'm finally making a more pastoral point here. <laughs> the darkness is real, but the light is stronger. Christmas here in the northern hemisphere is a feast of really of light in the darkness, where it's only light for like or semi-light with all the clouds for like eight hours in the day, which is really not enough. <coughs> Certainly not for you coming from the southern hemisphere or closer to the equator. Every time you light a candle in this time, I want to invite you to remember that the light of God is always always stronger than the darkness of this world. 
the light of God's glory, his peace and his salvation is able to pierce even through the darkest of places. The darkness has not overcome it and it will never overcome it. Maybe you're going through a time when the darkness just feels impenetrable. When it feels like the darkness is winning and its resistance is just too strong. Just want to invite you in the coming week and towards Christmas and around Christmas to every now and again light a candle. Just light a candle. It's simply Christians have done this since the since the first century have used candles and as in ritual in Christian rituals to express something meaningful. To every now and again light a candle and declare the words from the Gospel of John. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness will never overcome it. Amen. Amen. Can we get the worship team up? To lead us in a couple songs. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And uh, and we pray. I want to ask the prayer team to already find their places on the side of the room. Let me lead you in a prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the revolution that you started. Jesus, even as a baby, you were a threat. But when you grew up, that got even worse because you unleashed the revolution of the kingdom of God and it's not stopped even until today. And it will go on until you come again to take your throne. Thank you. And Jesus, we want to say to you, we want to be part of your army. We want to be ambassadors of your kingdom. We want to be part of your army of witnesses. We want to go with the authority that you've given to continue to overthrow any injustice, to overthrow anything that is hindering people from seeing you and worshiping you and salvation in you. We want to be ambassadors of everything that your kingdom is. We want to be those pure in heart and those peacemakers. And those who understand who you are and testify of who you are. So send us out. Also this Christmas, send us out to friends and to family with this message that Jesus has come to set things right. That Jesus has come to bring peace for those who will receive him as the Messiah and the King. Send us out. Send us out with courage. Send us out with power. Send us out with the right heart and the right attitude. Help us to represent you in this world. Jesus, we are ready. We are ready. And we understand. We understand that there will be resistance. We understand that there, in some places, may even be persecution. But we're ready to go for your kingdom. We're ready to go for our king. Lord, I just want to pray for anyone that's experiencing that darkness that is still present and still active in this earth. We pray that again you will shine with your light. Jesus, that you will meet us here again today.
we invite your kingdom to come right here and right now as a light. Pierce through the darkness. Pierce through into the darkest places of our hearts and of our lives, our worries, our anxieties, our fears, our our sickness, our despair even. Let your light shine through again. Come with your peace. Come with your glory. Come with your goodness. Help us to see that not all hope is lost. That not all peace is gone with, with you here. There's hope. There's peace. There's joy. There's new life. Jesus, again this Christmas, we receive you as our Messiah and our King. Amen. As we uh, sing the last two songs for uh, for today, you can just uh, clap along and sing along and be joyful along. But if there's anything that's weighing down on you in some way, maybe before you go home, maybe some worry that you have with family or whatever, or or just something general that's that's keeping you down. We uh, want to encourage you with our prayers. So we have a prayer team that's ready to just unleash God's blessing over you. So please make use of the opportunity if if you need it, if you know that you need it. All right. Amen.